This evening's talk is called Mindfulness and Clear Comprehension, or the Road to Insight. Here on retreat, we're fully engaging into seeing so deep within ourselves that each moment that we free the mind from the forces of greed, hatred, and delusion, there is a possibility of purifying the mind from ignorance. But so often, we're trapped in that ignorance and not even seeing that ignorance is happening and is present. And so the path of the Dhamma is offering us a profound teaching. And I'd like to refer tonight's talk to a specific teaching, a sutra, that all of you know, most probably, and that is the sutra that the Buddha offered in regard to practice, the Satipatthana Sutra. This is a discourse that fully explains and elaborates on what it is helpful to do, what we can elaborate and deepen the mental qualities that are helpful to nurture, to be able to clearly see what is freeing the mind from ignorance. And he says that this path can lead all the way to liberation. He begins this sutra by saying, Bhikkhus, and he addresses his words to bhikkhus, but all the practitioners that are practicing this path, that are really uh, making the effort to see clearly, are also bhikkhus in this sense, lay practitioners. Says, O bhikkhus, this is the direct path for the purification of mind, for the overcoming of sorrow and lamentation, for the total disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true and noble way, for the realization of nibbana. This path leads to total cessation of suffering. This is the Satipatthana. We know it as being the four foundations of mindfulness. Mindfulness should really be understood here as sati. But one of my teachers with whom I practiced a lot, said it's not really correct to call this, or not sufficiently correct to call the Satipatthana Sutra 
the four foundations of mindfulness. And I recall him really going in depth into explaining the full meaning. He says it's better to call it satipatthana, vipassana, bhavana. Bhavana is the cultivation. It's how we cultivate. Vipassana, of course, is seeing things as they are, or seeing the insight into the true reality. So it's the cultivation of the insight into the truth through the satipatthana. And this word of satipatthana, I'd like to go a little more in depth into the definition of this word. Sati, here, is a word that you know well, is mindfulness. And when we just say mindfulness, the rendering is a little bit incomplete because there are many different meanings. And in fact, sati is to remember. So we may think that it's to remember the past. But here the meaning has a very specific quality, which is absolutely not to remember and go into our history, but much more a sense of reminding ourselves to be awake, to be present. And we do use mindfulness, you know, in our common language. Just the other day, someone told me, oh, be mindful of your step. We're mindful of our children so that they don't get hurt. So this word is used in our common language. Yet, it's not fully rendering the meaning when one is practicing meditation. There's clearly, even in our common language, this sense of care, of caring. And yet this caring of wholesome quality is just not fully rendered because it isn't really reflecting what the nature of reality is. So the meaning, the quality of mindfulness that we bring into our practice is a very special one. And I think it's important to remember that this mindfulness is a penetrated mindfulness. Sayada Upandita, again, says over and over again, we should call it extraordinary mindfulness, extremely special mindfulness. This attitude, this mental quality, is one that directly refers to meeting fully the moment as it is. 
there is in that quality a total freshness, meaning a total simplicity in our meeting and connecting with whatever experience is presenting itself. And the power of that mindfulness, the speciality of it, is the power of that observing quality. It's the way that we observe that is different from normal. What happens is that when there's this pristine, pure quality of just beating what is, we have the freshness to see through the layers. The layers of conceptual mind. The layers of thoughts. So mindfulness, then, is knowing very clearly, close at hand, what is immediate. It's an immediate noticing of a sound, a sensation, the breath. When there is that totality of presence, it's just what it is. And there isn't that need from a sense of lacking something to jump into the next moment, into the next thing. So mindfulness knows the nature of things before it creates the story or before it adds any type of story or belief or concept, evaluation, judgment, about the experience. And I know we all know this, but it's so important. I've heard it a thousand times. And we forget, because it's so unusual. This is not the usual way to meet experience or to meet life to connect with ourself. Just this morning, I was walking to come here, and suddenly the mind was listening. It was very quiet, and it could hear the sound of one bird. That sound pierced into the sensory experience. 
and there was healing. Consciousness was simply hearing, hearing consciousness. That purity in that moment was total. No need to wish for a better sound or another sound. It was just present. When this happens, and it does happen as we quieten the mind down, as we're more present, clearly this happens to all of us. Hopefully, more often than we think. But when this happens, there's absolutely no feeling of separation. No feeling of me here, the sound out there. There's a fullness in the experience. That is what we yearn for, where there is a sense of not lacking anything. Those moments are precious. There's a moment of true liberation when the mind doesn't identify to experience, but just knows it. When there isn't craving in the mind, it's free. And therefore, mindfulness is enabling us to reflect experience just like a mirror reflects appearances. It's just this. Just this. And sometimes it's so simple for our complex minds that we don't realize that the way to liberation is simplicity. In that moment... There was a totality of connection. Life was living through me. Life lives through you when there is the totality of an experience. This comes forth through the power of mindfulness. It's important that we begin to really give value to that very simple mental quality. This is from Sogil Rinpoche, Tibetan teacher. He says, the purpose of meditation is to introduce us to that which we really are. Our unchanging, pure awareness which underlies the whole of life and death. In the stillness and in the silence of meditation, we glimpse and return to that deep inner nature that we have so long ago lost sight of amidst the busyness and distractions 
of our minds. Meditation is bringing the mind home. And here home means in the simplicity of pure awareness. When there is that quality of presence, nothing is missing. Now we increase the moments of mindfulness. Moments after moments, there is a mindfulness that leads to more concentration. Concentration comes from an increase in mindfulness, and that leads to a stillness so that we can see clearly, much more clearly than when we were distracted out there. It's the purpose of a situation like this one to be able to see so clearly like a mirror that reflects just the truth of what is. Mindfulness and concentration bring forth this quality of wisdom. Wisdom is what liberates the mind. Mindfulness leads to wisdom but wisdom that liberates. Now what it does is that when there is that presence of awareness, there simply isn't any room for the defilement. It's quite extraordinary to see the path in this way. If there is no greed, hatred, and delusion, there is freedom. And the more we apply ourselves to this quality of presence, of attention, of mindfulness, there will less likely be moments of greed, hatred, and delusion. And again, this is what Saito Upandita really exemplified so well in saying, you let your mind wander, definitely you'll be distracted, fantasized. If you do not let the room, the space for those wandering thoughts, mind states, then there will be clarity. And it's true that this is exactly what is happening in our practice. I can confirm it, and certainly can you, that when there is more mindfulness, there's no room, no gap for greed, hatred, and delusion. Now what is important to understand here is that 
It has to be done in a relaxed way. And this is my advice. (laughs) Because there's a sense that we can strive. We can become a very big warrior here. Run and chase all the thoughts and become very uptight. Therefore, the advice is, yes, to aspire to mindfulness, to apply mindfulness with care and love. And this is a teaching that I later on applied because at the beginning there was a lot of striving, a lot of wanting in the mind. Even the wanting to be more mindful was a desire. It was wanting, nothing else. And the person that really helped that quality of loving care, of metta that I talked about this morning, just that gentleness, quality of gentleness to carry the mindfulness, came from a very wonderful teacher named Deepama, which clearly exemplified mindfulness and presence. She was fully present. And also, there was a flourishing of the heart that was boundless. And so those two are needed. They flourish together. And so it's important when we are here so many, many hours of practice to notice at times the quality with which we are practicing, the quality, the mood, the mind state. And to maybe give it some attention if there is that sense of pushing yourself forward. Then you'll need to listen and be more receptive This mindfulness is a mental quality. It doesn't come forward by forcing the energy in the body. It's not at all a forced state. To continue on the meaning of the word satipatthana, we've just saw the meaning of the word sati, mindfulness. And there is a word there which is pa. Sati pa tana. Right? This word pa is a contraction for 
<clears throat> atapa, which means ardency or vigilance, strong energy, a balanced and sustained energy towards what is wholesome, an attitude which calls forth determination. And again, it's to bring the mind in balance in a continued attention, in a continued way, towards something which is wholesome, to just let go of greed, hatred, and delusion. This ardency comes forth, for myself at least, from the fact of really seeing the pain that is caused by greed, hatred, and delusion. When we see it, there's an ardent wish, desire to move out. The simile here is one which is very strong. It's said that a person is walking with a pot of liquid which is sitting on the top of the head of this person. And not one single drop of that liquid should drop. Now the... (laughs) The intensity of the situation is there. there's a person behind that first person which holds a sword in their hand. And if the person, the first person drops some liquid, well, the sword will just end this person's life. Quite dramatic state. (laughs) But it just shows the ardency with which we can attend to the mind, especially when there are waves, big waves of desire, of wanting, or pushing away, aversion. Now again, I would take this advice with care bringing the quality of ardency in a way of being diligent with wisdom, not with will. Because what it does is that it just pushes us out of the moment. And we want to see what is present in the moment. Mindfulness is not interested in seeing the next thing. It wants to see precisely and very accurately what is now. And this sense of uh, ardency is something that can nurture the quality of awareness. 
Because there's so many times when there's an impression because of the stillness, and especially when we're here, um, there's clearly calm. Certainly more calm than when you came. And so the impression could be that, yes, we are connecting, and there is a quality of presence. And yet, in the background, there can be a fueling of a fantasy. You know, some story can linger there. And thinking is going on. And so we're half present with these thoughts that are just being nurtured. And we're not noticing that these thoughts are happening because we're just connecting with the breath, for example, attending to the anchor. And so there it's helpful to open the awareness and to again attend to the state of the mind, the awareness itself. What is that quality like? To really give yourself at times the space to notice with what quality of mind you are practicing with. And so when that is happening, then there's a possibility of fully connecting again to what is present. Maybe thoughts, fantasizing, whatever it is that is present, that is underneath. I know that for some of us, there are moments during the day where there's a leak. And it's totally normal that this is happening. We can't have the momentum of mindfulness all the time. There are going to be ups and downs. This is exactly when we need to notice the quality of the mind state. When there is a sense of being bored, connect to the boredom. Notice, what is it that is happening when you want something else to happen? I know at the beginning of my practice, and for quite some time actually, there was not much liking for the walking practice. And I know that for some of you, it's exactly the same situation. I like to sit, but... Walking, no. And here we're free, right? We can really do as much sitting as we want, walking as we want, and so there can be a tendency to just not walk. Well, I would advise you to keep a certain balance because the energy flow is exactly what will help this momentum of being present momentum of mindfulness. 
And so when I would do the walking practice, this would be the best time for me to have fantasies, you know. I would even wait until the walking to <laughs> have this extraordinary <laughs> fantasy that I uh, wished to have in the sitting that I was very wholesomely putting aside and then getting the space. And it was just so extraordinary to one day see that it was leading absolutely nowhere. And one teacher told me what Achan Shah had said to them, saying that when you notice that your mind goes off in your walking practice because you're not interested in doing the practice, the moment you notice that your mind's off, come back to that spot. And so I would do these little rounds, you know, come back to three steps behind, one step forward, three steps behind. And it was just so fascinating because it got me so clearly mindful. And it was funny <laughs> to do. I got some humor about it. It's just, oh, wow, this is great. You know, it's not common. And then, of course, I had you know, a sense of, oh, yeah, humor, but, you know, what are the yogis going to think about this? I got all self-conscious about the situation. This was in retreat with a group of people. So I stopped, but what I noticed was it had a great impact on my practice and on my mind. And the impact was exactly that. Interest. It raised and heightened the level of curiosity, of discovery. And it really did it, because from that point on, (laughs) I really trusted that interest and found that the experience of connecting to a step to just being open and present in the walking could be just as illuminating as in the sitting. This is from <clears throat> the great sage Nisargadatta Mahaj. He says, by watching yourself with alert interest, with the intention to understand rather than to judge, in the acceptance of whatever may emerge, because it is there, you encourage the deep to come to the surface. You enrich your life and consciousness with its captive energies. This is the great work of mindfulness. It removes obstacles and releases energies by understanding the nature of life and mind. Wisdom is the door to freedom. And alert attention is the mother of wisdom.
Alert attention is the mother of wisdom. Wisdom is the door to freedom. Definitely, this is what we're doing here. The last part of the word satipatthana is tana, which are the objects of meditation, what we're observing. So there's mindfulness with ardor, continuity of attention. We're seeing very clearly the objects of observation, the body, feeling, consciousness, and all the mental objects. Now, so often, when there isn't this mindfulness, what happens is we're just lost in those objects. We're lost in the body. We're lost identifying with the mental states, with the thoughts. But awareness is still present. Awareness never leaves. There's a possibility of reconnecting every single moment. Awareness is always, always available. That never leaves. And that's a true guide, a true mother, in the sense of allowing us to help ourselves with awareness whenever we want. It's a fantastic trust that we can nurture, trusting awareness rather than trusting the mind that is wandering or getting lost. And this is exactly what is beginning to emerge. And it's because we trust awareness that we come back to the cushion, that we come back on retreat, that there's this interest because there's a sharpening of the attention. And that trust in awareness allows us to see through the delusions. So we stabilize awareness. Now, what I have found is that conjoined to mindfulness, and often it's implied in the word of sati, especially in our lineage, but conjoined to the word sati is often implemented the word sampajana, which is clear comprehension. Sati sampajana. In the Thai tradition, you'll always, always see that word sati joined with sampajana. And the most common translation is clear comprehension, which is to know something f- 
fully. There is full awareness, knowing completely. This is the quality of mindfulness when there is a total presence. Now, this quality of full awareness is what enables the understanding. The understanding, oh, this is how it is. You can say that sampajana is the wisdom faculty happening in the mind, expressing itself in the mind. And especially here that I use it in the context of practice, of meditation. It's also mentioned in other contexts of ethical conduct, of wholesome deeds, accomplishing wholesome deeds, supporting the wholesome. But here I'd really like to emphasize how clear comprehension supports mindfulness. Because every time we understand something deeply, there isn't the distortion of a delusion. Then there is simply a moment of insight. And a moment of insight can be very simple. We see that the mind affects the body, that the body affects the mind, that there's a process here happening which can emerge at times in the body, at time in the mind. Taking an example, if there's agitation because there's a lot of thoughts in the mind, it's going to affect the body in the sense that probably the body will feel restless. There's an understanding of that, which is an arising of insight. It is sampajana that allows us to understand deeply, to penetrate the truth. Now, we can't make an insight happen. Unfortunately, this is not possible. You know, we want insights pop up. (laughs) Insights will only manifest, arise, out of our deep, deep, understanding with the power of mindfulness, concentration, interest, and all the wholesome qualities. We can call them spiritual faculties or factors of awakening. All these pure qualities that emerge within the practice. Now, clear comprehension is also a way that there is investigation in the mind. 
When the mind investigates, it brings about that understanding. And it's not an investigation that you have to bring thoughts to understand, but it's much more a bringing the experience closer to awareness. It's this mindfulness of the knowing quality itself. It's really knowing, which is sati. And then sampajana clearly comprehends what it's seeing. It's understood. So, for example, if we have a bodily sensation and there's an understanding of this is a bodily sensation, which then becomes a little more penetrated, oh, pressure, tingling, the sensation itself, and then we can see closely because there's a really very direct connection, the changing nature. Oh, that pain is moving. It's changing. There's something that is shifting. It's not a solid thing that if I look far away, of course I'll see it as solid. But closely seeing the impermanence, the change, that happens through that mental quality of investigation, which is sampajana, then clearly comprehending the nature of change. In this case, Now, this investigation, again, is very wise. Because often, investigation, we think, oh, we're asking for something else. You know, we investigate to see something else than what we're seeing. It has no aim at any kind of answer. This investigation doesn't have a name to find an answer, to find a solution, because there's a problem. It just is active in the meeting. So it's not that we assume anything, that we know that we will need to find something, because there is a preconception, an idea that it should look like that and not like this. That investigation is one of listening very closely. And we need to listen. But we don't need to have things work out the way we want them to. So that Sampajana, that fully comprehending, is has a role of allowing wisdom 
to emerge. Just allowing the nature of experience to reveal itself. What it does is that if there is a quality of really being deep in the soil, that quality of sampajana will bring air and light. It's going to enliven the process in a way that we don't connect only with one element, which is clearly here the body, the earth element. There's no light, no air. It's going to be pretty heavy. And so that quality of investigation through interest enlivens. It gives a a dynamic understanding. And it happens every moment. This is not a done deal for once. It just is the process of this living being connecting in each moment through our curiosity. So these are three mental qualities that nurture wisdom. Sati, mindfulness, atapa, ardency, continued attention, sampajana, which is fully knowing, fully seeing, in order to understand. When there is wanting in the mind, just to give you a last example, when there's a strong desire, that wanting, sati says, oh, this is desire. There is desire here in this mind. And atapa, the ardency, the vigilance, the energy, is present to know that it's undesired, that it's unwholesome in a way that it's a hindrance in our language here. Now, Sampajana will understand that it's an unskillful mind state and will just let go, bringing awareness. And this is not something that is very complicated. It's happening in your own process. So you don't need to reflect and think over, oh, now, is this Jambajana, you know, to really call forth. But it's just interesting to me, it was interesting to me, and I hope it is to you, to see what are the mental qualities that do what? They have functions. And to bring interest into this process. So the action of Sampajana just creates that possibility of dropping away the desire. The mind just lets go. Separates one from the hindrance. 
clearly if we nurture our practice, if we take care, great care of nurturing our practice through mindfulness and loving care, interest, continuity of attention, insights will arise. There is no question about it. And I really ask of you that you don't doubt this. There is a possibility of freeing the mind here and now. And we have done it. We have freed the mind during certain moments. And we're here to purify it again and again. And this process just is inevitable. Inevitable? It's bond to happen. It's the law of nature. And this is exactly what the Buddha said. He said he had so much trust in his own teaching, in his own realization, but he also had the trust in us. says, this is the way to freedom. If I didn't think that it would not be possible to liberate the mind, I would not ask it of you. But since I do, and firmly, deeply know that it's true, that it's possible, we can liberate the mind, this human mind, your mind, my mind. I ask it of you. To end, here are a few lines of the Buddha's words. This is the one way, O bhikkhus, for the purification of beings for the passing beyond sorrow and lamentation, for the cessation of pain and distress, namely the four satipatthana. Let's sit for just a few seconds. May all beings liberate their minds through the power of mindfulness.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.